Hello and welcome back to Less Than 10, EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. Myself, Blood Ruin, I'm here with Feral. Hey guys, how's it going? It's good to be back, another episode. We got some pretty cool stuff to talk about today. It's just going to be Blood and I. But uh, we're going to get into some cool events and some kind of recent changes and things that have happened. As well as some stuff we've been doing in-game. And then we're going to have a really good discussion on just like grid positioning and maneuvering around the grid a little bit. So we'll see. Hopefully it's not, um, you know, it's hopefully it's it's complex enough for the for the vets and uh, not too uh, hard to follow for, for newer PVPers. But it's a very important topic, so we'll get into it. Yeah, I think positioning is like super nuanced. And so it's hard to kind of do a master class because there's not like hard stats on a topic like that. But we want to kind of do, I guess, a deep dive in a sense into um, talking about how to how to get better at it and yeah, how what the role it plays. So we'll we'll jump into that later though. Um, we wanted to talk about I know the the coronavirus is uh, obviously <laughs> impacting everybody. So first, you know, to everybody playing games, a stay inside because we all know Eve players are really good at that. And uh, stay safe. I hope everyone's doing well. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about how we're using our quarantine time as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, just as a like side note, I was uh, reading up on Kickstarter. Andrew Gruen, who, if you don't know, is the best Eve author. <laughs> and uh, he, he has put together Empires of Eve and is working on Empires of Eve 2. And he put out an update on Kickstarter with uh, the current progress of of Empires of Eve 2. And it's in its kind of final stages of proofing. So I'm really excited about that. And that prompted kind of the idea. um, Obviously, if you're listening to this, you enjoy audio content. And um, so if you want to listen to Empires of Eve, the first book, uh, it's available on Audible. So we're going to try and get an Audible a link set up um, and it's just you know for for anyone who wants to you could use it you could also just go straight to audible and there's trials there and stuff but we're thinking of ways that it you know um, to kind of provide benefit to you guys and also to uh, monetize some of this and so yeah uh, of course we love our patreon subscribers and and you guys are beyond awesome so we're gonna start getting rewards out to everybody um but we thought this would be a a good kind of bridging the gap in terms of um doesn't cost anyone anything to help support and uh you'll get a free book from audible and it's really cool eve-related content and then hopefully that will kind of um, prepare you for empires of eve 2 when it comes out and uh, go from there yeah, man, I can't believe like just how much work that must be doing those Empires of Eve books. I mean, it takes a long time, so you know there, it's a long time between releases. But man, like the amount of work that all that documenting and like it's 
is really good journalism on top of all the the writing and, and stuff like that, right? Like he's doing research and talking to so many people and man, I can't I can't even begin to fathom how much work that must be. Oh yeah. For especially the first one, so much of the events that happened were on forums that no longer exist anymore. So he was he was trying to get, you know, archived forum posts and stuff like that. Um, he also has a, a SoundCloud up with kind of it covers a lot of the content that's in the first book, but it also he has kind of some excerpts from interviews um, with people like Sir Mole and and some of those big characters in the first books that aren't in the the audiobook or or you know um, are only kind of talked to, and so you actually get to hear those people's voices, and it's really interesting. Um, so I would definitely check that out as well. And the the quality. I, do you have Empires of Eve, Feral? I, I don't, unfortunately. Okay, so I have both the audiobook, but I also have the physical copy, and the production quality is insane. It is amazing on the hardback version, um, and like, yeah, I just the the picture quality is crazy good. And this second one is supposed to be more kind of incorporating. Um, a lot of the the visuals of Evenline, and so uh, he got a lot of the photography um, from oh, what's the the guy uh, Rosarian? Oh, I'm I'm probably butchering, but uh, he's like in-game Eve photographer. He does just these incredible screenshots, and then you know edits them, uh, and they look absolutely incredible. And so a lot of that is in uh, Empires of Eve too as well. Oh, that's awesome yeah i saw because i think there was a group like pre-order you could do for the release of two right where there's doing reprints of, of volume one right is that correct yeah so like yeah I, I was thinking about doing that i'll pull it up right now i believe if you get just the the base copy for empires of eve two you get the ebook for free of empires of eve one and then like as you kind of go up in your support if you like for instance like pledge for $25 it's you get the empires of eve volume 2 audiobook and the ebook and stuff like that yeah. and then so it, it's really cool um i think the highest pledge you get the hardcover book of each and the ebook of each stuff like that so it's just really cool project to support um i had empires of eve one uh when he announced the second kickstarter and i immediately backed it like for because <laughs> i wanted the audiobook the other thing that's interesting about the audiobook is andrew gruen is the narrator so it's oh, that's not, pretty cool yeah it's not somebody else he's the narrator and i assume he'll do that for the second one as uh, as well but um he does just a great job of kind of explaining it and because it's from his point of view that inflection and that like that in that caring uh, right about this topic is very present in the narration and uh yeah i i also just in general i'm a huge fan of audiobooks and i listen to them like while i'm fishing or while i'm working obviously listen to podcasts and stuff as well so i'm just super excited about it and uh yeah he has a, a recent update on the kickstarter so we'll even link that just if people want to find out more about the project that he's been working on and where it's currently at. Um, yeah, it's really yeah, cool. cool. Right on. All right. Well, yeah, definitely check that out. And let's kind of get into some current events because there's been some changes. We had our well time last episode talking about faction warfare and low sec in general. And um, there 
yeah, right after that, they kind of announced some changes to LOSEC. Um, so yeah, good timing on our part. Um, I, you know, I've heard mixed reviews on on how what people think about it. Like, yeah, it's a step in the right direction, but not enough. Kind of the same trend. So hopefully, it's not the last touch to LOSEC and faction warfare. But um, definitely, I've been seeing more activity because they also announced that Kings of LOSEC, the return of that. So I know, like, I know there's some people in the Discord that are in PL and they they moved back to Amamake, they are deployed there, I guess. Um, Amamake is like the spiritual home of PL, I guess you could say, from back in the day. So, yeah, they're, I think they're going to try and get in and get some some low sec action while it's good. Yeah, I think that the Kings of uh, low sec is the event focused around this change, but then the overarching changes that will be long term are there's been a change to faction warfare that decreases the LP payouts for mission running, but increases the LP payouts around combat between the factions. So before, if you were in a Merlin and you were part of faction warfare and, you know, you killed the opposing faction, you killed a ship in the opposing faction, you would get a loyalty point payout of a small portion. So they've increased that a bit. You still don't get any kind of payout if you kill a pirate or, you know, a neutral that's not involved in faction warfare. So, um, yeah, there's still like, uh, I'm in the boat where I think this is like a good change to minimize the mission running fo- like focus of faction warfare, but I don't think this solves the systemic issues that exist within faction warfare around you know, citadels, um, control, like, um, you know, yeah. that, that desire to not fight, but instead kind of, um, take these other actions that are, are not as enjoyable and it doesn't present any resolution for people who are in faction warfare, being able to really defend themselves well against pirates and stuff. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's a step, but um, I'm not like amazing convinced. The other thing that was introduced with this was the frigate escape bay and battleships. Yeah. Which is, you know, we, I think we talked about this a little bit before um, about what we thought, but like, Nobody really asked for it, but it's a cool change that can kind of come out of left field. Um, and we've seen some some pretty cool things. Um, Squishy had had uh, a video, kind of demonstrating what could be done, and there were some pretty uh, pretty cool ones on there. My favorite was the like carrying like a combat probing frigate, so you can just eject that. You know, you're in it. You you combat probe something. You save the location, then you hop back in your battleship uh and, and warp to it that's kind of neat because you know battleships typically never there aren't battleships that have probes so in, if you're solo roaming you, you know you see somebody in a safe or in a site or whatever case may be you can probe them down yeah i thought that one was really good just because also like if you're in a group of you know five gay five guys and small gang or something um you don't generally want to like spend the extra person to have an alt in a combat prober or something and yeah this kind of like another alternative to, to putting someone in a t3d right yeah exactly like, that's why i like having someone in a t3d if you're like in a gang of five you could because they have the bonuses to fitting a probe so it's super easy to just have the one of your utility highs as a combat probe launcher because they don't really have to sacrifice much for it at all but yeah this is you don't have to sacrifice anything you just throw a, a cheap you know helios or whatever something in your in your hole in your ship maintenance bay or frigate escape bay i guess and uh you know good to go 
Yeah, there was also he put up. Um, he did like a full cargo expanded uh, frigate that held like thirty two hundreds. So you could just yeah, you know, a little. <laughs> I think bit it was like sixteen. Fuel. Yeah, it was sixteen thirty two hundreds. Yeah, that's crazy. Intense. Yeah, so that's that, a lot. That's like two extra fights worth of uh, of them, and then uh, the other one was like uh, a logi frig. So if you were running a plated battleship, which there's like some very specific reasons why you would want to run a plated battleship. Um, it's just like super brawl potential, like cap resistant. Um, but then, you know, after the fight, you could go to a safe spot, get in the logi frig and rep it up. Um, and that's like one of the biggest downsides to running a plated battleship. Just, you know, pure buffer armor is you, you get one fight. And even if you survive it, then you only have like, a third of your armor left you're you're not gonna be yeah. able to fight anymore so it's kind it's of okay cool. it's kind of cool it's okay in like low sec where you can dock or npc null where there's stations sometimes but like for that for yeeting it's it's huge if you wanted to yeet in like a buffer like say like a buffer geddon or something like that especially something because the geddon has the, the new bonuses right so like where you might be able to stand a chance to like you know nude out something and get an gd cycle off or nude out something to get away and then you can repair now so i don't know it's kind of neat yeah, it was just cool that I'm sure we'll see even more instances of like interesting things that people f- figure out you can do um, or something like that, you know, use it oh, in yeah, for sure. unexpected ways. Yeah, I, I do like the expected way as, as well, like, you know, roaming and keeping like a retry or a stiletto, like something that's really useful to a small gang, right? Like take like a rapid light, rapid heavy uh, typhoon. Just like when your somebody in your fleet dies, or or you die, like you just you're in a ship still. Like it's uh, I don't know. I, I like that because dying sucks when you're like out roaming and you're pretty deep and you lose someone. Like you know that sucks. Being able to reship out of a battleship is kind of cool. Yeah, or yeah, and being able to give that to somebody so they don't yeah. have to pod back and then like try to get out to you or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Cool. But yeah, and then like within Furnace, we've been doing some fun, like what we're calling quarantine fleets, which are like cheap T3 Desi with like Logi Frigs. Um, and that's been pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, we were on a, one of the first one together, right? Where we, we got a couple fights and we like, our, our first, we got a fight right away with it. We just like jumped out of Thera and there was, um, some some heavier ships, some battle cruisers and battleships and stuff fighting, and we just dumpstered them. Like uh, they're they're overprop, they're ten mn. So um, like you got, we've lost lots. I, it's not a, not a secret or anything. Like you can look at the kill board, but they're yeah they're like plated up um, armor buffer uh, T3Ds with like Magus Draugr. There's some Kikis, and then um, we even bring like some Ewar plated up Ewar frigs like a Sentinel. And then yeah, some some deacons. So pretty cheap, super fun. Uh, they're hard to fly because they're overpropped. I was multi-boxing Magus uh, Spiple, um when in that first fleet, and it, it was pretty difficult. Uh, we <laughs> we we lost the first fleet in a hilarious way because we were near catch, so we ended up going to GE uh, to fight Brave. And uh, if I still had that. Um, Dunk Dinkle recording about uh, the, the Slepnir Thorax thing or whatever it was. Do you guys remember that? I'd play that right now, but I don't have any more, so I'm not going to. We fought everyone else except for Brave. Brave wouldn't actually undock and fight us. 
with no, their other they, gangs around. Well, so they, and then then they they did doomsday us though. <laughs> they they yeah. felt fine doomsday so, us. So we like yeah exactly. We went on on their uh their by their Anzalblex and uh, we're RFing it, and somebody drifted within five hundred of the the structure, and uh, yeah, we got we got blapped by the Keepstar. So that's not really fighting us. But uh, it did push us out of their space, so mission accomplished. Yeah, and like the the thing that I like about the fleet is it's not by any means optimized or anything. It's like it's fun and it's um, it can fight up ship, but it's you know it's not like hardcore cancer fits. <laughs> so it's it's pretty no, fun. No, I was I've been flying the Logi frigs. Yeah, I've been flying the Logi frigs in in both fleets um, that we've run. Actually, I think I've done them three times, but uh, and it's that that's pretty fun to me especially when there's just like two of us um it we have to communicate really well and um we're finding like <laughs> on the last one that i went we uh we jumped into like 10 plus jackdaws and just got out al- people were getting alpha off the field it was kind of rough but uh yeah it's it's pretty fun and enjoying kind of like learning and, and and stuff in that area too yeah for sure yeah um but we're definitely gonna run it more. We're gonna probably gonna polish it a little bit here and there, you know. Um, but but the, the whole point of it is to not be super tryhard. So you know, clean clones, cheaper fits, um, get, you know, get links. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fun. Just be engageable and you know, non-elitist. Just go out and get some kills. So yeah, and uh, we've been doing some experimental stuff on Discord. I, we always like to pimp out our Discord, obviously. But now, like. Um, there's been some, we've tried some stuff with, uh, there's a couple people who have access to live stream through Discord, which is pretty cool. And it's it's kind of like this half measure with with Twitch, right? Where with Twitch, really, you, you kind of have limited interaction. You, you do have chat and things along those lines. Um, but then also there's the, the aspect of people actually finding that that's going on. So within Discord... Um, I believe it's uh, AP like Oris, uh, Casper twenty four, and Dusty and Dusty. Dusty's been yeah, Dusty's been streaming, and it's it. You don't even need the role to stream. Anyone can do it. I just gave oh, those okay. two roles because they've been like I've seen them doing a really good job of it, and and uh, and and the whole purpose isn't necessarily to like create engaging like viewership like on Twitch, right? It, the whole point is just be like, hey, if like don't set up for a big stream and stream for hours. It's like, yo, if you're out and about, you press one button. Now you can share your screen with the with the lesson ten community and and uh, and learn from it. Like that's the whole point is just to get people like seeing what you're doing, seeing how to take a fight, how to maneuver on grid, how to do all those things. And it's it's super easy. You don't have to worry about entertaining the stream and follows and subs and whatever. Right? You're just pressing a button. You're sharing it. People jump in. Like usually, comms are even uh, muted. It's like it's not an entertaining thing. It's it's a it's a resource for people to jump in and see how to play Eve, how to how to do it. And like the dudes doing it are doing it at a very high level. I mean, you got like Casper jumping jumping in, and he's like in his curse, like his hundred men curse just fighting ridiculous grids with uh, his court mates, um, like taking crazy fights. And, uh, you know, there's no audio due to OPSEC for a lot of that stuff, obviously, but the rest of the screen is there. Like, you can watch it and see exactly what's going on. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Like, I don't know. 
it's, yeah, the the one I jumped in where AP was flying around uh, in a Draugr, like one one person jumped in and was just asking questions. Like you don't get that opportunity in Twitch. Like just yeah. the in voice comms with him, and then like somebody else jumped in and was like, "Oh hey, I'm kind of in that area. Would you mind if I just met up with you in a slicer?" And it was immediately boom. Now you've got a duo roaming around. Like yeah, exactly. That was the that was the cool thing for me is just like seeing that happen organically. For sure, man. Yeah, it's it's cool. And like I said, it's not about like creating a, a audience and like Twitches, right? It's super low pressure, like super chill. Just turn it on and, you know, especially if you're solo roaming or, or whatever, just try it out. I don't know. Yeah. Or and uh, if, if you guys want the tag and you like you want to be recognized as a streamer and in on the, on the Discord, just let me know and do it a couple times and I'll throw you the purple tag and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, as well with that, like, um, filamenting or, or yeeting, like, that kind of stuff can kind of roll into that as well. So you could be like, hey, guys, I want to do a yeet fleet. You just ping, like, in general or something, and then be like, you know, I want to stream it or something and and, and just stream it within. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're, we're just trying out experimental stuff with the Discord because um, I, I feel like that's kind of this... this environment that's not just open to every well okay it is open to everyone but i mean like you're not in there with the potential of like two hundred thousand shitlords just yelling at you or coming in stream sniping you like you know there's there's a few hundred people there you already know that they're interested in small gang in some aspect and so that's kind of the the driving force there is like building community and and going from there Yeah, yeah for sure also we did a AP did a YouTube premiere and like put that in discord and then streamed it within discord so that like people could hop in and watch it together. That was kind of interesting, kind of fun Um, stuff like that. It's like whatever people um, come up with that, you know, like we want to empower the community as well. So uh, I feel like we, we kind of always tell our guests when people are on the podcast, like, Hey, this episode is as much your content as it is our content. And we're kind of, spreading that approach into discord like this is as much your discord as it is our discord so if you want to get a small gang together through the discord then go for it like if you want to put together resources right for newer players like do it contact us like we'll make a channel that's literally just pinned resources or something i don't know so like that kind of stuff is really cool for sure but i want to talk about this uh this ultimate five-man filament challenge um that uh havoc dude lives in thera um runs what's the monsters inc is that what it's called i think that's monsters no sorry monsters reborn (laughs) uh he's got a discord server we'll link this reddit post in the show notes but he's doing this um ultimate five man filament challenge it is super cool um called the safari roam and basically the way it works is uh there's a bunch of teams of five uh they're random and you link up, get your fleet together, and then everyone yeets into Nullsec. And you have a, I think the time is three hours, I believe, the duration. And it goes off Z kill points. And it's a competition to see uh, what which five man team can get the most Z kill points in the time frame. And you get bonus points for killing each other. So if you're using like the targeted filaments, you know, who knows, maybe some of these teams are going to come up filament in the same area since they're targeted to activity. And uh, if you do run into each other, you know, there's going to be a big showdown. You can't reship. Um, 
You get an hour to create your five-man comp. Any composition you want. Uh, yeah, no reshipping. Like I said, if you you'll be a man down if someone dies, that's it. Um, and three-hour duration. So it's pretty. It's a really cool idea. Like I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, I was gonna join it, but um, I have a really weird schedule. Like I can do the podcast because I get to create our. We just create our own schedule. We make it work for us. But it's often difficult for me. It's like flipping a coin if uh if my days off are gonna land on on other people's events. So. I'll have to miss out on this one, but if I was off work, I would absolutely be doing it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of the furnace dudes are going to do it, and we're going to put some together. So I'm like, what the heck, we might even put like two teams together and then kill each other. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Good bragging rights. Cool. So uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Blood, before we kind of get into talking about positioning, which is like a crazy topic to talk about, but we're going to we're going to try. Yeah, I, I think like that kind of covers it for current events stuff. Like, you know, it's we always try to find this balance between going back and forth between like current events, educational stuff and, you know, interesting conversations with interesting people. So it's um, yeah, uh, I think we're, we're trying to keep that rhythm pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. So here's what we'll do, because I feel like Blood and I could talk about positioning for way too long. I'm going to set a 30 minute timer guys. We're going to we're going to limit this discussion to 30 minutes. And that'll uh, you know, after their words, we'll do a little bit of a, a outro and then we'll we'll call the show there cuz 30 minutes is quite a while to talk about this and we're just going to we're going to get super nerd like super nerd hard here. <laughs> which is like the nerd version of try hard, I guess. I just made it up. So let's, <laughs> so let's get into it. Positioning. Yeah. Why, why is it important blood? Um how do you get good at it? Like Let's let's get into this. Yeah. So when we were kind of talking about how to discuss this, I kind of like came at, up with the thought with like in positioning, when you're talking about positioning, the last step is actually to move your ship, which is kind of weird to think about. Um, and, and so really, uh, you know, this is a, a pretty nuanced topic. So it depends a lot on your group, your small gang that you're flying in, like the ships that are available and your enemies like what they're doing but um you know overall uh if you are in a kiting small gang and you end up dying because you get scrammed by some sort of tackle ship chances are it's because either you or your fleet mates were out of position to support one another and and that's really like the the main result because if your composition is strong generally speaking there's not a situation where um, you know a tackle ship runs at you, and you you can't kill it or force it off in in some way, and so that all comes down to positioning. Um, so yeah, to start, I'm gonna propose the example, and it's like the quintessential kiting small gang fight, and the idea is um, there's a gate, and your the enemies are coming through that gate into you and your group. And so your group has the ability to position however they want. Um, and so the the general setup is that in kind of a line, you would have your tackle ships, um, you know, interceptors or assault frigates, those kinds of ships, about 30 kilometers off the gate. So they can get initial point or or kind of um, they can they can do their role, right? And then about 50 kilometers out, you're going to have cruisers or kind of uh, anti-tackle, those mid-range damage dealers. 
And then out at about 70, you would position your large DPS, right? Any battleships or... Um, Scorch or Oracle. Your, yeah, yeah. Or battle cruisers that can project that far or your Lodgy. And so kind of walking through those three areas, there's very specific reasons for each. So with your tackle ships, they're both offensive in the capability to point things, but they're also defensive in their ability to stop things from running out to the cruisers and the battle cruisers. Um, and they have the highest mobility, right? So um, out of everything that should set up, the, the closest thing should be the most mobile thing. Um, so it could it could pull distance more aggressively or it could go in more aggressively, right? Um, and, and that's going to kind of extend out throughout the rest of the group, right? Your cruisers are your middle mobility, so they need to be in that middle range group, right? They need to be farther than the tackle, but closer than your big slow stuff. Um, and then, you know, your big slow stuff that can project really far is the most vulnerable to small fast things. So it needs to be the farthest away. And that's going to create the ability to react, right? Like it's going to give you more time to react and support. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to propose as the quintessential kiting small gang fight. Um, obviously that that's different if you're in like a remote rep gang or something like that. But as we get more into the ideas around how you position and like the advantages to positioning in strategic manners, um, those kinds of things will still correlate across to those those kinds of uh, more brawling type setups or a more consolidated group. Um, and yeah, uh, that that'll be beneficial regardless. And I think we should also like before we get too much into those details let's talk a little bit about like how do you position well from a mechanic standpoint so the first thing is is you have to have your tactical overlay on like you, you that's an absolute must you have to zoom out your view like this is super basic stuff guys but we're going to go through it so you have to zoom out you zooming in so you can see your your dank ship skin is doing yourself a disservice you have to zoom out um so that you can see what's going on around you. Uh, a lot of small gang gangers, you'll see, they will set up their over their their brackets, ship brackets. So the 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 bracket info is always on. So like when you when you normally click on a ship in space, a bracket, it'll have the ship name, the pilot name, blah blah. blah. Like what I have it is it so it's just the the distance that it it is away from me and the name of the ship type. I don't care about the pilot's name, what corp they're in. Don't give a shit. It is the ship rifter 22 kilometers and every ship on grid has that up beside it there's uh some info online you can see how to do that how to turn brackets always on uh very useful in small gang um uh -huh, and then you have to also understand the vector like the arrows that come with the tactical overlay so the tactical overlay what it is is it's the the circles around you showing ranges and then it's also the arrows uh, on the brackets that show you basically how quickly, what direction they're going, uh, and how quickly they're moving in relation to your velocity tra trajectory is a good way to put it. So that's those are like super basics. You you basically must have those going and and your UI set up like that if you stand a chance of positioning yourself correctly and well in a fight. Yeah, and I think that kind of also lends itself to the the personal aspect of positioning where 
it's really easy to get caught up in a fight and then not realize that you're 80k away you know or something like that or or you are you're running literally into the enemy fleet um and so by bringing that perspective farther out um and and that comes with experience too you will you'll be looking at your friendly ships a little bit more as you gain more experience and feel more comfortable in the fight. But bringing that perspective out kind of removes you from that intensity of the interaction. And you can start to have perspective and gaining perspective is the first step. I feel like in determining where you should position your ship. Um, And then yeah, so so perspective, I think, is is pretty key, and definitely that tactical overlay is going to help uh, give you an accurate perspective on where you're at, where the rest of your fleet is, and where the enemy is, uh, in, you know, and then how that's changing actively. Yeah, hundred percent. So uh, we've talked to commu- about communication a lot too. So that's like another thing that you're going to take into account. Um, so let's say you're on a grid and you're in, um, like a mid-range ship, like a cruiser. There's some ships screening for you and your in your gang, so like an interceptor or something like that, right? So like, okay, so where do you want to position yourself? Let's just let's just hypothetically ask this. Okay, I'm in a give me a give me a hack. Name a hack. A zealot. Zealot. Okay, I'm in a pulsar beam. Uh, let's go beam because they're like okay. dope. Cool. I'm in a beam zealot. I I fly a beam zealot. So, um. So I'm not going to Aurora meme. I'm like flying this thing aggressively. So my, my, my range is like, you know, 20 to 50 is where you can do some pretty solid damage. Um, so that's kind of where I want to be depending on what's on grid. So as soon as I see, like, say I see a stiletto pop up, like a stiletto lands on grid, it's like 20 from me. Um, I'm going to start burning towards my screen ships, like away from the rest of the gang, because that stiletto is in a really good position to get a scram on me, which I don't want. So that's where you would have your view zoomed out and you turn your camera, double click away from it, but at the same time towards your friendly ships that can help you screen it, right? So like that's an example of, of positioning. You're taking all these little factors into account when something lands on grid, you react to it. Like the moment you can't react to something, that's when you're going to start making piloting errors and, you know, get tackled. Or I mean, I guess like some crazy like abyssal recon could land on grid that is just going to like instantly tackle you which you know if your gang's not prepared for it that can be a huge problem and then no matter what you do you know sometimes you just get a bad warp in or something bad warps in in a poor place on you right then you're kind of hooped but but like taking into account like where your gang is what your role is you know if i was not in the zealot if i was in that interceptor and i saw another interceptor land really close to a beam zealot you know, that beam zealot is pretty poor at killing an interceptor that's closer than 20 kilometers, right? Um, just due to tracking. So I would immediately position myself to assist in screening. So I would be turning my ship and moving towards that zealot, right? Like, so all those things, it's so crucial and so critical um, to have your, your gangs back and understand where everything's positioned well so that you can make those plays and react and you know i don't know it sounds kind of obvious but does that make sense yeah and like so i kind of broke it into those three zones and when you when you talk about screening that is both the ability to actually for like a tackle ship to scram an enemy that is coming in 
thus shutting off their propulsion and slowing them down. Um, but it could also apply to, you know, an anti-tackle ship shooting a small ship, a, a tackle ship, and either forcing it to turn around or killing it, right? Um, screening is essentially just the idea of stopping the enemy as they're approaching in. And so those three zones, um, I, I think there's a lot of approaches that get taken. Um, I even watch recordings of our own fights and like sometimes we spread out a lot. And I I was debating like the benefits of spreading out versus the benefits of kind of staying grouped. And, you know, obviously uh, if you're grouped up pretty close and an enemy ship warps in right on top of you, that's really dangerous because everyone's there. But the benefit there is everyone has the ability to shoot it very quickly, right? Uh, and so the idea being that if you were to kind of spread off your gang and you're you're down below the rest of your group, right? Um, it kind of isolates you as an individual target a lot easier uh, to pick out. And it while you might be able to project and shoot, you know, whatever the primary is during that whole event, uh, it creates a situation where maybe some of your your own group can't support you in the same way that they're supporting the rest of the group, right? So if, if, if you're in a cruiser and you're out 50K, but you're down below the rest of your group and the rest of your group is pretty consolidated up above, well, if you have interceptors that are in and they're tackling and they're screening and something starts running at you, well, that interceptor now has to go out of position for supporting the rest of the group to come support you and stop whatever's running at you. And so that's really like that key idea of how positioning plays a role within like not just your own movements, but the movements of your fleet mates, right? If you have a Lodgy group that's out 70 kilometers and you happen to, you're down below like that and you start getting shot, well, your Lodgy might have to come down and become a bit out of position in order to rep you and leave themselves vulnerable. Um, and so that's where like the consistency across the entire group becomes pretty important when you take it into that perspective. And obviously as, as newer players getting into small gang and, and trying to focus on positioning, that's going to be really challenging. And, and you're also still trying to maintain like shooting the right things or, you know, paying attention to, to where the rest of the group is going. So that's pretty challenging, but I think that's where it helps to fly with more experienced pilots. Um, I always feel like I learn something when I fly with people who are just better at the game than I am, um, <laughs> you know, and then as the experienced person, it's also super important to not to call out in like a critical way, but just be like, Hey, uh, Pharaoh, you're a little, you're a little low, you know, burn back up towards the rest of the group you know, or, hey, you know, so-and-so, you're 30K off to the side, uh, regroup on this person, you know, and we do that a lot, especially when we're first setting up for a fight, when things are calm, we'll just be like, hey, okay, let's start positioning for them to come into us. Uh, so-and-so, you should edge in a little closer or, you know, whoever, you should you should uh, be a little bit farther away because, you're you're really slow, and if uh, something decloaks right now and burns at you, uh, we're not going to be able to protect you, right? So I think that's like one of the key takeaways when you talk about positioning is it's really about 
gaining perspective and then preparing a plan, right? As a group, having that plan. And so that plan in a lot of kiting situations is to burn away, right? Spread out the group, but burn away consistently, right? Maintaining that that spread, those three zones, if you will, of your fleet and maintaining that as you burn away. Uh, and then your enemy hopefully gets spread out and some of their people become out of position and you can take advantage of that. Um, and, you know, that plan, right, being consistent across all the people in the fleet, that is what leads to you choosing where to position your ship. And that's why I feel like it's kind of like the last step is actually the double click to go where you need to go. Because if you have the perspective and you know the plan, then you know the optimal place for your ship to be. And if your ship isn't there, then you should put it there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just don't take too long to double click. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But yeah, I mean... And there's like other aspects to positioning too, where it's not just about double clicking. Like, let's talk about, uh, like, so, so when the warp speed changes happened, this, this, uh, allowed you to string gangs out, um, via warp speed as well, right? So, like, say you have a 50 AU system and they're chasing you, like, the more you go, the, the further you go, the further they chase the bigger the distance the time gap is between when their tackle's landing and when their heavier ships are landing, right? They're slower warping ships. So you can also use things like warp speed to um, get gangs out of position in the sense that now they're on grid with you, but the rest of their fleet is still, you know, has 40 AU to go. Um, so there are other other facets of, uh, facets of positioning as well where, you know, uh, you think about gangs, like let's say you have like a, like three or four Cinnables, which are a very fast warping cruiser with with some fast tap, tackle or like a hyperspatial saber and stuff like that. You could really start to abuse that aspect of positioning, um, which is pretty neat to think about, I think. like Yeah, it's like you know. more macro positioning and and totally like that's learning the the abilities of other ships and kind of, you know, spreading them in that way or, or taking advantage of someone being too aggressive and and getting out of position for sure yeah and then there's also uh, a big one is like uh i would factor gate aggression under position right so like trapping someone on one side of the gate so they can't drive you know jump through to you so uh something you'll see people do a lot um and i've done this a lot is when i'm in a ship that i know i can crash gate with and there's there's a fleet on the gate with me Right, I'll jump out, I'll burn back the gate, I'll jump into them, I'll burn back the gate, I'll jump into the other system, I'll burn back the gate. And you can you can continuously do this, keeping a mental record of who's aggressing you. Right. And then when you jump through with with four people that have aggression and you know the only other two ships are ships you can take, uh, and you know you'll have like forty, forty five seconds before those other guys can jump into you, you know you're effectively putting those people out of position uh, so that you can isolate and kill things, which is exactly what you're trying to do when you're maneuvering around a grid in regards to positioning, right? So, you know, you have to think about it from from that kind of scale and that level. There's more than one way to skin a cat. It's not all about clicking in space. Yeah. Uh, th there's definitely other ways to do it as well. 
For sure. And so like now let's kind of talk about maybe a little bit more complex situation. In the first example, the idea was your enemy is jumping into you and you can choose whatever position you want. Right. So let's flip the role of you're jumping into your enemy. Right. And they're all on gate and you have to kind of determine how to get to the position that you want. And that's, you know, a more complex situation, right? It depends on the ships you're in. Um, and so one of the first options, right, about perspective and about having a plan may actually be that you need to burn to gate, use it, and and go back through, right? That's kind of one of the first plans, that, especially if you're in a bigger ship, that you may need to do in order to create a situation where if they follow their group spawns in at different you know sides of the gate and different things and they may be a little bit more disorganized um yeah gates are interesting right yeah for gates, sure. so like so positioning is something people control right it, you can control your own ship but when you get jump through a gate that's one time where you don't really control because you spawn in a 15 kilometer circumference around the gate like anywhere in that sphere so uh so one thing i see people often have a mistake they they you know use this how can i explain it so let's say you have three four people and you jump into a gate quite often there's a gang there right on the gate at zero so you're going to try and take this fight so you're not just going to like crash the gate and fight them at zero unless you're brawling whatever either and then i would try to be getting them off gate a bit um you're going to want to burn off a little bit right so Let's say, quite often you'll hear people say, like, okay, we're going to burn Sunside off the gate, right? Because you don't want to just everyone kite in different directions. That's useless. So what people, what some people will do is they'll just be like, oh, okay, Sun. So they'll just, like, position, position their camera, you know, good job. And then they'll go to burn Sun, but they don't realize that burning Sun is literally, they're on the far side of the gate. So right now, they're spawned on the left, then there's the gate, and then the Sun is on the far right. So they're literally burning through the gate to get Sunside. Well, that's a really, really, really risky move. It's very likely that you're just going to get scrammed uh, because you're burning through essentially 30 kilometers of space where your enemy gang is also spawning or going to be because they're on the gate at zero. So in that case, you really have to position yourself, like factor in the safety of your ship first before what your gang is doing. And you can communicate that, right? You can say like, I'm in a poor position, I'm burning straight up, like, you know, get ready to screen for me or something along those lines, right? But I've seen people die doing this like countless times where they just brainlessly like burn with the gang and it drags them right to like zero on the gate. Super poor play. Don't do that. Yeah, it's definitely better in a lot of those instances to try and do something that allows you to be safe and then regroup on your group right so either like burning off and warping or burning off and and getting to a ping uh burning off to get warpable to your fleet mates but communicating that is pretty key yeah for sure all right so let's keep going with your with your example of of jumping in yeah so if you jump in right and you your group is looking, you say, hey, okay, numbers-wise, this is a fight we can take. But based on position right now, we're in a situation where we can get caught and we, um, you know, then based on position, we would lose the fight, right? Um, that's where you start to look at 
your plan changes. So there's a lot of different tactics that people employ. It may be burning one ship off that's fast enough to escape and trying to get, you know, some of the enemy group to chase them. Um, there might be some sort of split that will happen. Will be, you know, the majority of the group is on one side, so you're going to burn and support each other, uh, and you know, tackle's going to try to screen while you know anyone on the other side of the gate burns to the gate to jump through or burns off the opposite direction uh, in order to to warp. Um, in those two situations, right, it really depends on the individual pilot and their confidence. But I'm personally more a fan of if you're on the wrong side of the gate to regroup, um, I I burn back to the gate because it gives you more options. And at the same time, if your enemy then decides to commit onto you, um, that means they're not chasing your fleet mates, right? If you burn off in the opposite direction and they decide to commit to you, uh, then they're not chasing your fleet mates, but your fleet mates also can't assist you and you don't have the escape of the gate. So I think like that is kind of my preferred option. And then you as an individual can bounce gate a few times while your fleet is starting to gain control of the situation, whether it be through killing small tackle, whether it is through stringing out the group, um, right? It gives you kind of more flexible options that then allows you to jump gate, come back in at a later time, and then potentially um, move in a direction that's safer and allows you to regroup with the rest of your group and support them. Yeah, for sure. So let's say now we're, we're taking it one step further. So let's say your gang, uh, you know, a couple guys did what you kind of said. They, they, they got to a warpable spot. They pinged. They got back. So now you're on a grid. Your gang's kind of set up. And there's an overwhelming force burning at you, right? So uh, your gang is just kiting away, keeping a safe distance. You're watching for ships in their gang to overcommit so you can secure kills. Um, but let's just say, like, they have, you know, they have some terrible recon spam, which this is a thing. This is this exact situation happened to me like three weeks ago. So lots of cruisers, not really any like amazingly fast. We're faster than them, but they have like, you know, abyssal web. Uh, um, Hugin and Lack, an, ab an abyssal warp disruptor Lack. So, if those things, if you get within, you know, seventy-five, you're you're going to be pretty boned. Seventy, right? You're like really skirting the line of death. As soon as those, you get a warp disruptor and and dual webs on you, like you're going to be dead. So, what would you do in that situation? Like, obviously, leaving is a you're faster, so you can just leave. But how about how about we try to isolate them? put them in bad position and then get some kills. What, what can we do? Right. So that that's like really challenging. And that's the situation where you don't have control over their actions, but you wanna, I'll tell you what we did. This yeah, is yeah. Well, okay, I me. made the call and we ended up losing some ships, but let me know if you, you think just it was like right. hard commit right onto them. Nope. So we kited, we kept the, their recons at like a hundred and we just kept burning off. And then once we were far enough off the gate, we could warp down to it, which is the gate that their help was coming from. So before their recons were 150 off the gate, I told everyone, stop, let's just uh, warp down the gate, jump through, and frag stuff on the way out. So okay. their okay, recons, yeah. yeah, their recons weren't in a position yet where they could warp down to gate, but ships in their gang were, and they had people 
coming into that gate to assist like they were you know sw trying to swarm us it was like i think it was this was frat i believe um so that's what we did uh so it, so positioning and that was was key the the key things were that like all right those like linchpin hard counters that we're trying that we can't do anything about we're gonna burn them off gate until we can warp back to gate and they can't yeah okay right? i got you that, yeah, yeah. that was that was like what my brain was doing but they just had too much stuff coming in from the other side so we lost ships because they still had like multiple lokis and they had a saber on the other side and i think we got some, <laughs> we got some kills but yeah but, um but yeah we weren't rolling like snaked fancy stuff so i think if we were we would have been able to secure more kills but we 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 weren't we were rolling like you know like uh i think we had an oracle and and osprey navy and like that style of stuff like the, the cheaper 100 mil nano ships yeah without, for sure without implants when in the in that situation too like you don't unless you have like a scout on the other side like you don't necessarily know what's on the other side but you do know what is on your side <laughs> that's not engageable right so <laughs> that's the thing so but it, but it's a good example of like positioning like where normally it might be like well we're super boned but you know, if we could play hyper aggressive, we could get them out of position a little bit and maybe get some kills, which I'm always for, especially in cheap stuff. Like that's why I like flying cheap stuff because you can do stuff like that and whatever. Like you lose a couple ships, who cares? But when you're flying like snakes and and you know four to two billion esque ships, four hundred mil to like two billion esque ships, I'd rather not like feed in dumb ways. So I wouldn't I wouldn't fly I wouldn't pull that move if if our gang was like that kind of. Oh, well, maybe I would. Who knows? It's hard to say. It's hard to say because you're more likely likely to survive and get away as well, right? So, is what it is. But anyway, it's just a, a good way to think about positioning and, like, you know, that 150 kilometer warpable distance is is another another tool to use to isolate people via that when when you can warp it or some other people can warp to it but not all their gang, gang can warp to it. Like they either have to have half their people warp to you or let you go. And if they're already being hyper aggressive, they're probably just going to warp to you. I've also seen that same thing. Like Lucy Lou does this a lot where he pulls them apart. Right. And there's say a rapier or something that he, he can't engage the rapier when the rest of the group is there. But then as things get spread out, he'll warp back to a wreck or he'll warp to the gate at like 50 and he'll land close enough to whatever that big, like that, that scary force multiplier is to then just like face smash that thing. And as the rest of the group comes back, then, you know, he he's killed off that major threat and then he can re-engage the rest of the group. And like, that is another way to use that same uh, tactic, but in a different way, right? A different manner, a more aggressive manner in order to isolate and kill that one or two, you know, uh, force multiplier that, that is preventing that fight from going yeah. any further. Yeah, that's a really good way to do it. There's nothing more satisfying than like sitting on a recon or Loki's face and just like annihilating it, just ramming it and killing it. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I think that kind of at least covers our first topic of deep dive positioning. Like, it's kind of again, it's it's like nuance, but I hope that gave at least a foundational description or process right uh and it's also some of this is pretty visual and so that's interesting to try and convey in like an audio format but i hope you guys kind of took some of that away 
um, with, you know, uh, a decent kind of understanding of some of those points to consider as you're, as you're in a fight, just taking those five seconds to step back, gain some perspective, you know, think about what the plan is and then determining where you need to be. Okay. Right now, my 30 minute timer just expired. So Ooh. dude, I got to give you props the whole time, guys. Normally I'm like, you know, telling blood as we chat about things like we got five minutes we got 10 minutes left whatever i didn't say one thing about the time in fact i was walking around my garage my workshop cleaning up <laughs> i sat cool. down on my computer i was like i better check the time i sat down there was like 30 seconds as blood was finishing that up could not have timed that any better good job you dude professional that's all i have to professional. say we, we are total professionals <laughs> 22 episodes will do that man 22 yeah. episodes will do that yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's kind of move into uh, our outro. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about uh, to wrap things up? I mean, my my shout outs definitely to like Andrew Gruen and his Kickstarter. Um, if anyone is listening who has just not encountered Empires of Eve, like there's there's he's given talks at um, at like Eve Vegas and Fan Fest before. Um, with just like small snippets of the story that's expressed in Empires of Eve. Um, and so that update on Kickstarter with the second book being out is just like super fantastic news to me. Um, he's also just like every interview or um, discussion I've seen him in, he's just like super genuine, cool dude um, who's like a nerd like us. You know, that's really what it comes down to. And uh, and yeah, anyway, I just like the content. So you know, Empires Eve SoundCloud, uh, Empires of Eve Kickstarter, Empires of Eve books and audiobooks. Like, I'm just a huge fan, um, and I'm excited for for that project to continue. So, uh, big shout out to Andrew Gruen. Nice. Uh, my shout out is going to be like a little more uh, IRL than normal, but uh, shout out to any healthcare workers um, taking care of the world right now work in the front line um yeah thank you guys so much and stay safe and um yeah thank you everyone else uh if, if you know you should reach out to people you know uh who are kind of dealing with this firsthand in the thick of it and uh and and you know a simple thanks will go a long way to those people so thank you all right guys remember it's not the size of your gang about how you use it and how you position it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs>